Well, today we're starting a new series that's for the month of July. And uh, the whole series, this entire month, is going to be focused on from victor or from victim to victor. So we're going to be talking about um, victory and finding that victory in Jesus. And here's here's what so I find so interesting um, in, in a sad way is that we have so many Christians and so many churches that are not living in victory when the victory has already been provided. Isn't it kind of um, interesting, wouldn't you say? I, 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 there's probably sad, maybe sad is, is the better term, that how you could be provided complete victory and then yet not walk in it. You guys following me? Like, like it, wouldn't it be really weird if, if you were in a, in a military campaign and you'd won this battle and then yet after you won the battle you still walked around as if you'd lost the battle. Or you won the battle, you took the beach, and then you gave the beach back. Right? And, and I think that that's something that happens in our lives a lot as Christians is that we don't realize that Jesus, when he said it is finished, it's finished. You already have the victory that you need in your life, and yet we're not walking in it. So we're going to talk about that. So today we're going to start off at the very first place. So from victim, we're going to start off with the, the, the victim mentality, all right? Victimhood is a state of being a victim, all right? That's by definition. That was kind of a really deep, 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 deep de- a definition there. Um, and here's what happens is, is when we have this type of thinking, when we, when we live our life as if we're the victim, you're going to find that your life is filled with hopelessness, despair, discouragement, and everything that accompanies that. You know, you, you'll hear me say often, um, we need to stop playing the victim card, right? We have a habit of taking that card and like, look at my life. We lay it down and like, look at what's happened to me. Look at how I've been treated. Look at what the world's done to me. Look at what that person has done to me. Look at life and how it's treated me. And we kind of want to walk down that road of woe is me. Am I right? All right. So if you've ever done that, this is for you. I, I, before, we, before we start, I just want you to know I, I, I love you. All right. So let's start with the signs of victimhood. All right. So here are the signs that, that, you know, here's your sign um, that you might be playing the victim. You blame others for the way your life is going. Oh, right? My life would be better if it wasn't for so-and-so or if they didn't do that to me, my, if this didn't happen. And we, what we do is we blame other people for where my life, guess what? It's my life. Take some ownership. It's your life. You don't have to be a victim. But we often blame everybody else or we blame the world itself for the way that our life is. Or you, here's the second one. You truly think that life is against you. This world's against me. Surely nobody's ever felt like everything was against you. I played Pity City yesterday as I obsessed over the stupid rain radar and how my little blue dot on the radar, and I've been praying for rain every day, every time. I keep watching these, these, the split of the storm, and it's just like on purpose that my place doesn't get the rain. It just keeps going around me. I'm like, why is Kansas, Kansas City's full of buildings? They don't need the rain. You know, and, and so then all of a sudden, then you start getting into that, that world's against me. It's just... This happens to me, of course. It's my place. It's my, you know, don't we, see that's, and you know how easy it is to pull that victim card out of our back pocket and say, look, boom, right there it is. I had 99% chance of rain and it was supposed to give me an inch and I got a quarter. Here's my card. Feel sorry for me, right? So number three, you have trouble coping with problems. A lot of times when you play the victim, you can't, cope with your real issues because you're the victim you can't cope with anything as long as you're playing the victim because it's not your fault it's their fault or his fault or her fault or that fault and you can't cope with anything because you're the victim you approach life with a negative attitude 
I'm telling you, when you start playing that victim card, the more you pull that card out of your pocket, the more you use that victim card, the more you keep pulling it out, guess what? You will start seeing everything with a negative lens. Everything in life, you'll see the negative in everything that's going on around you. Um, you feel bad for yourself in order to give yourself pleasure. How sad is that? But guess what? Haven't we done it? The only way that I can feel better is if I feel sorry for myself. Hmm. You feel attacked when someone tries to offer you feedback. Somebody tries to help you and say, hey, put the victim card. I'm not the victim. No, you're not. Absolutely not. Good luck to you. Going to go over here where positivity lives. Right? I mean, here's the thing is that when we start walking down that road and we start pulling out the victim card, we don't want it fixed. Let's be honest about what the situation is. I don't want it fixed. So don't tell me how to fix it because I'm not the problem. Right? Ooh, it's going to be a good one. I hope you're taking notes. You attract people who complain about others. Your negative behavior starts attracting other negative behavior. You ever heard that, that, that misery loves company thing, right? And you can't make the changes in your life that you need to make. wonder why. Because we're not the problem. Guys, as long as I believe that I'm not the problem when I have a problem in my life and I keep blaming everyone else for the problems that are in my life, I will never make any changes. Psychology today wrote a lot of profiles about victimhood. It says that it includes a lot of emotions such as um, a pervasive sense of helplessness, passivity, loss of control, pessimism, negative thinking, strong feelings of guilt, overwhelming shame, self-blame, and depression. All of these are the results. These emotions are the results of being a victim. Now, many people choose not to get better. This, is, this, to me, is the biggest part of the problem that we're facing with victimhood, is that most people don't want to get better until the pain of staying the same is greater than the change needed to get better. Does that make sense? I hope it does. In my head, it was making a lot more sense than when I said it out loud. But a lot of times, we don't want to change until... It hurts more to stay the same than to change. <laughs> but again, the reason why we don't want to change is because when we are using our victim card, we feel more loved when we're sick, more supported when we're a mess, more comforted when we're grieving, and more encouraged when we're discouraged. So what we often do, unfortunately, when we are playing victim, we feel like I don't want to stop being, I want freedom, I want the victory that the preacher's talking about, but I don't want to, I, I really don't want to lose out on the attention that I'm getting. I don't want people to stop feeling sorry for me because I'm all of a sudden living differently. And that is the saddest part of victim mentality is that we think that by staying the same, it's better for us. No, you're miserable. And then people are feeling sorry because you're miserable. They're not really, here's the deal, misery, miserable people like spending time with each other, which is not very fun. It's really miserable. <laughs> Have you, I mean, like, like five minutes, like, I, oh, Lord Jesus, bring the rapture right now, <laughs> right now. But the thing is, is that we so often, we, we, we stay in this place because we're afraid of the unknown. Well, what, what's going to happen if I get over this and I can't use this anymore to get people to feel sorry for me? What, what's life going to, here's what life's going to feel like. You're going to be happy for a change. You're going to be able to celebrate for a change. You're going to be able to put a smile on your face and move on with your life. We live in this culture. We don't handle, we don't handle difficult stuff very often, do we? We live in a culture that 
Whenever something bad happens, we pull that card out very fast. Post it on Facebook, and we can put some real sad picture along with this. And now everybody's like feeling sorry for me, feeling sorry for me. And then I think that that's making me feel better. But what's it really doing? Nothing. It's doing nothing but getting you further away from freedom and victory that God wants you to have. So if there's any, I started thinking about, when I started thinking about victimhood, I started thinking about the Bible, I couldn't find people really playing the victim. I mean, I didn't see any of the apostles going, oh, feel sorry for me, right? I didn't, I couldn't see that, but I was like, well, if anyone could pull that card out and throw it down, we're like, oh, okay, Paul, yeah, you, you have a reason to, you, you, you know what, we'll, we'll, your, your, your victim card would be a legitimate victim card. In fact, let me, let me read this to you. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, not Pastor Paul, um, but just, just to make sure, um, I'm not going to make an old joke. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, like he's old, he's not that old. He didn't write, this wasn't him. Okay, so here's the deal. So Paul's dealing with this Corinthian church that's very frustrating, and they're talking about all these other people that weren't apostles as super apostles, and so Paul had to constantly, like, listen, stop listening to these knuckleheads. They're not the real deal. And so then he would have to validate his own ministry, which is really sad to have to do. So then in one of his validations, he said, okay, and even says later on in the book, you can go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11 and, and through that. And, and he's like, I can't even believe I'm doing this. This is so foolish. Um, but he says, I've worked harder, much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. It's always interesting that that's how they titled it. 40 minus 1. It was believed that 40 lashes could kill someone. So we'll give you one less than what we anticipate could kill you. He says, five times I got that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. In fact, the time that he was pelted with stones, they threw so many rocks at him, he, they thought he was dead and they left him outside the city. Three times I was shipwrecked. You guys were pretty close to a shipwreck yourself, right? <laughs> it was really close. He says, uh, I spent a night and a day in open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger in the rivers, danger from bandits, danger from the Jews, danger in Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger in the sea, danger with false believers. I've labored and toiled, and I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressures of my concerns for the church. And here's what I love. This is how I start looking at it. I'm always constantly saying, okay, here's a guy that has experienced, I would say that probably sitting in this room, he's probably experienced more suffering and pain than, than 99% of us. Maybe there's somebody here that says, I've been shipwrecked four times. I spent two nights at sea. I've, I've been whipped with, a, with a, the, you know, the cat of nine tails seven times. I mean, maybe there's somebody here that might want to pull out their card. So if he pulled out his card, I, I would not want to pull. I would leave mine deep down in there. Like, you win, Paul. You win. Right? What, right? But here's, here's what I want you to catch. This is what I want you to see. He, he says, I've been in prison frequently. I was flogged. Um, the, the 39 lashes, the beaten with rods, pelted with stones, shipwrecked in danger and thirst. I want you to see he's listing all these things, but nothing, none of those are compared when he says besides everything else. So besides, everything else is in one category. Besides all that, my concern for the church you see, here's what kept him from being in Pity City is he was on mission with God. His mission with God trumped his pain and his suffering. If we could have some believers that would let the mission of God in their life trump all of their pains, man, we would have a powerful church. We would see our cities turned upside down for Jesus. 
As long as we are feeling sorry for ourselves, we will never be on mission with God. You can't because you're on mission with yourself. Paul said, besides all that stuff, I'm doing that because you guys need me to list it out for you. Besides all that, I face daily pressure of my concern for the churches. Has your concern for the church and for God's mission, when he saw the church, it wasn't like, hey, I want a new building and I want this and this. His concern for the church was, is it reaching its community? Are the people growing? Are the people being delivered from their bondage? Are we seeing a spiritual growth? Are we, are we making an impact in our community? Does your concern for the church, God's church, is it stronger then all your pain and your suffering in your life. See, that's the question, isn't it? That's the question is, is my concern for the body of Christ greater than my concern for all of my pains and all the people that have hurt me and all the things that have happened to me? See, we got to keep asking this question, how did these apostles overcome this mentality of victimhood? Because wouldn't it have been easy to be sitting in jail griping about how unfair it is to be sitting in jail. God, I just preached your word, and here I'm in jail. God, I was just doing what you told me to do, and I'm getting whipped. Uh, God, I just did what you told me to do, and now they stripped me naked and embarrassed me in front of everybody. God, I was just doing what you told me to do, and look what happened to me. Wouldn't it have been easy for any of the apostles to come to a place in their life saying, God, I just did what you told me, and now look at me. But that's not what they did. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they had a perspective of God's kingdom. You see, perspective is how, you, it's the way that you think about things. It's the way you see things. It, in, it, it is influenced by your beliefs and your experiences. Every one of you has a perspective. It's how you see the world. It's how you see your life. You have a perspective about your own life. You'll either feel sorry for yourselves and want everybody else to, that's your perspective, or you will look at it differently. You'll look at the world around you in your perspective or God's perspective. Remember there's an amazing song out there, God, give me your eyes. It's like, let me see like you see. Perspective is our problem, isn't it? When I'm left to myself... It doesn't take very long for my perspective to get warped to feeling bad for myself. Is, does anybody ever struggle when you're left to yourself just a little bit that you can start look at look at my life and look at how I've been treated and look what I've gone through and it doesn't take long for us to have that victim mentality pop in real fast. Have you guys noticed how quick that happens? Like I was doing really good until yesterday. My wife was so wonderful to remind me. She really was. And, and, and here's how sad. You know, I got, I, I just, the longer the day went and I kept looking at the stupid app, I just needed to, to not, but I kept doing it. I kept watching the, the rain clouds split. One was going here and one was going there and I'm just mad and I'm cynical and I'm like, God, I prayed. I prayed every day for this stupid rain and it's not coming. And then it came at 8 o'clock and Barbara's like, Daniel, husband come come and she opens the door I'm like it ain't enough that was what came out of my mouth that ain't enough that's not what I prayed for I prayed for it at three o'clock when it was supposed to come and I prayed for it at six o'clock when it was supposed to come and the 11 a.m don't forget about that one I knew this one was coming I didn't want I wanted the other ones you see how easy it is for us to lose a perspective. And my, I remember my wife, she goes, let's just have faith. And I'm like, I trust God to give me what he wants to give me. It sounds kind of spiritual until you know your own cynical heart at the moment. You see, I'm wanting you to understand that every one of us can lose perspective pretty quick. The moment you lose perspective, you've lost the victory. You get what I'm saying? That's why I'm wanting you to understand it's so important to keep the Christ-centered, godly perspective of what's the most important things. God and His kingdom. 
Your spouse is a part of that kingdom. Your household is a part of that kingdom. If you have children, they're a part of that kingdom. Your neighbor is a part of that kingdom. What happens in the body of Christ is a part of that kingdom. They're all interconnected. There's so much kingdom work all around us. And yet we get so focused and self-centered. Let me show you how big of a deal it really is. Matthew, Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. He didn't say one of the lamps of the body is an eye and the other one's your mouth. No. He says the, the one lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Have you ever noticed that when you lose perspective and your perspective goes negative, that you can't see God moving because you're so busy seeing where all things happen? I remember this story that was told. A lady came up to the pastor once and she says, Pastor, I'm quitting church. I was in church and I saw all these kids over here doing this and I saw all these people doing that and I saw somebody playing on their phone the whole sermon. I just don't want to be in a church where you have people doing that. Some of you are like, oh, I saw that five minutes ago. He says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, you can leave the church after you do one little thing for me. He fills up a cup of water and goes, I want you to walk around the entire sanctuary and not spill it. She walked around the entire sanctuary. She handed him the full cup without any spills. And he goes, well, how, why, I don't understand. How did you not spill any of that water? She goes, I was focused on the water. He goes, maybe if you'd focus on Jesus, you wouldn't see everybody else's stuff. Sometimes we... We so easily in our life get so distracted on our pain. I'm not telling you that you haven't had pain in your life. I'm not telling you that people haven't hurt you in your life. But if that's what you're choosing to focus on, you are going to lose focus of Jesus and his kingdom and all the things that he has for you. Because we can all look at this passage and say, how many times have I lost focus how many times and i mean here's you know how we see it through our complaining that's how i know that i know how when i i know when i got get down a negative road is because you know out of the heart the mouth speaks right if my if my words are critical of others and my my words are complaining and griping and grumbling and mumbling and 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 these types of things i already know I know where my eyes are. My eyes are seeing everything. Here's what I find so amazing as a pastor. I'm looking up and I'm like, man, people's lives are being changed. And I see people getting deliverance and freedom in their lives. I see marriages being renewed. I see God moving. I see the greatest miracle ever. And you know what that is? The resurrection of the dead. Because you were dead in your sin and you're made alive in God. And I see all these miracles happening. And then somebody will come up and I'm like, I can't believe what that kid did. I can't believe what this person did. I can't believe that that person was on Facebook. Really? That's human nature. We can so easily get our eyes off the prize. And the moment my eyes get off of Jesus, I begin to see all the flaws in everyone else. And when I start doing that, I become critical, become negative. My eye is bad. My whole body is going to be full of that badness. If I allow myself to go down that road, here's one of the things that I want to share with you. Think about this. If, have you noticed that if you ever have, I lost, there it is. Sometimes my, my mouse, little arrow, he jumps off the screen and I don't know where he goes. Have you ever noticed that if your eyes become critical and you start picking up on all these negative tendencies and these negative things happening, that your, your mouth says those same things, right? And you begin to, t 
to treat other people. When I become critical, my behavior becomes critical. If my eyes are judgmental, my behavior becomes judgmental. If my eyes are so focused on my pain, all I do is cause pain. Have you guys ever noticed that? What he's saying is, listen, that lamp of your body, that's pretty important. Think about the terminology here. What does a lamp do? It provides light. You don't turn a lamp on in the middle of the day. You turn it on at night so that you can see in a dark place. The eyes are supposed to find Christ when I'm in the midst of darkness. Do you see what it's saying? Your eyes need to start finding Christ when there's darkness all around you, when there's darkness in your home, when there's darkness in your marriage, when there's darkness everywhere. Let your eyes find Christ in it. Focus on Jesus when everything else is falling apart. I have a saying, Barbara and I have a saying together, hurt people hurt people. So true. You know, in every type of recovery program, every program that I've ever looked at and looked over, every recovery program, they always have steps, right, or principles, right? You, you cannot complete step two if you haven't completed step one, right? I mean, that's the problem. That's, that's, that's the thing is like, listen, before you go to step two, Make sure you've completed step one. Because what good is two if I didn't apply one? What we often do is we try to make a race to hurry up and get through it so I can check the box. I completed the program without doing any of it. This is why so many people remain in bondage is because we are taking steps forward without actually taking a step. We haven't actually applied the step to our life. Here's the deal, you cannot move forward if you don't change your perspective. That is today's step one. Keep your eyes on the prize, on Jesus Christ. Then you can move past victimhood. One of the things while I'm talking about recovery programs, I want to share with you that you need to mark a date in your calendar coming up August 2nd. Happens to be Barbara's and I's 20th anniversary. It's a Wednesday. We will be here for our anniversary. We're like, you know, so we're going to be leaving after that. But we're like, you know what we want to do on our 20th anniversary. This church is a huge part of our life. You're our family. And so we're like, we're going to be here for that launching. We're going to launch a new ministry on Wednesday night starting August 2nd. And will be every Wednesday Freedom Night. So we're going to get our praise on. We're going to be singing praises uh, every single Wednesday. We're going to get into the Word and talk about what does the Bible say about recovery and freedom. And and, and so we love... We love Celebrate Recovery. We're not calling it Celebrate Recovery because we're not restricting ourselves to only Celebrate Recovery. We'll use Celebrate Recovery, but it ain't going to be the only thing we use. Then we're going to be breaking into small groups after that. And all these different small groups will have all different kinds of them. So things you can pick whatever small group you think you need in your life for that day. The kids are going to be going through some of the same wonderful, amazing things. So I'm really excited about that. So mark your calendar for August 2nd. It's going to be the launching of Freedom Night. That night's going to be hopping. I'm just saying. Just saying. So, all right. Now, let's look, at the, let's look at a couple of examples out of the Word of God. Peter and John were experienced uh, being arrested and mistreated and beaten. And so here's what happened in Acts chapter 5. They, they were preaching the Word of God. The magistrates, the, the, the church people, the, the council, the Jewish council said, stop. They didn't, so they called them in. They called for the apostles and beat them, beat them, all right, and commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. And here's what Peter and John did. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That rhymes, and I didn't even mean it to. Isn't that pretty amazing? Shame for his name. They, here's the deal. When you are dealing with perspective, here's what I want you to see. Perspective of suffering is different. If you have a Christ-centered perspective, when you have your eye on the prize of Jesus Christ, then your perspective of suffering will be different than the world's. The world would have said, man, Peter and John, quit. Maybe you weren't called to the ministry. It should be easier than that. This isn't going well for you, so you probably should stop planting churches. 
If I stopped planting churches, Living Water wouldn't have been here. We had three failures before we got here. I'm just saying. So, so, so they rejoiced. You hear, see that word, they rejoiced? They got rejoiced because they were beat for the name of Christ. Hmm. In, in fact, Peter came back later and he actually had, a, a, in, in, the, in the letter that he wrote, 1 Peter, he actually taught on suffering. He says, in all this you greatly rejoice. You see the same word, rejoice? Rejoice, they rejoice in their suffering. He's talking about rejoicing. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to come to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Wow. So Peter is teaching about what do we do in suffering. Now, the first thing before I bring out my, my little points that I want to bring out is this. I want you to see this. Did Peter equate suffering only with the suffering that you would if you were preaching the word of God? Did he say, guys, when you're suffering for preaching the word of God, it's okay? No, I think he says all kinds, right? Though you, for a little while, may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He doesn't equate that it's only when you're doing ministry, only suffering in ministry applies to this. No, he's saying all, all kinds of trials. So when your marriage is being tried, when your home is being tried, when, you're, when you lose your job, when you, when you go to school and you have a bad day at school, when, when you, so whatever kind of trial you can think about, Right? You, you follow me. All kinds. All kinds. And so here's what I'm wanting you to understand. Is this. i got to hit it again. There we go. Perspective includes the purpose of the suffering. First and foremost, I need to understand my perspective. If I'm going to have a godly perspective of how I see the world. If I'm going to see the world through Christ-centered glasses. The first thing that I'm going to understand is that when pain comes my way. It's going to prove that my faith is real. Think about this. Isn't it easy to have really great faith when everything's going really great? But that ain't faith. Your faith is shown and on display when things aren't going well. That's the time that people look at your life. When a non-Christian looks at you because you've said, hey, I'm a Christian, what they're really doing is waiting until everything in your life is falling apart, then they start watching. Because here's the deal, an atheist isn't reading their Bible, they're reading you. So what they're doing is they're watching you like, oh, wow, their child got sick. Well, they're going to they're gonna give up their faith now. Oh, they lost their job. Oh, man, they're going through bankruptcy. They lost their home. I'm going to see how they respond now. And what I'm wanting you to understand is that when, when life happens, because Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have? Oh, come on. In this world you will have? He didn't say, I'm going to save you from trouble. He says, I'm going to save you from sin. And I'm going to save you from hell. He didn't say, I'm going to save you from trouble. He says, when the trouble comes, and it will. Prove that your faith is genuine. And the second thing that I can pick up from this, highlighted in green, that my faith then should result in the praise, glory, and honor to Jesus from others. When people see that your faith is not shaken, when life happens, they begin to say, wow, maybe what you have is real. Maybe I need that. In fact, the next story that we see, we're going to see exactly that. Now let's look at Paul in chapter 16. Paul, he was preaching in a city, they got really upset, and they brought them, this is now Paul and Silas, to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude, this is a whole multitude of people, rose up together against them. Can you imagine trying to help a city and the whole city rises up against you? 
most of us would probably tell them right where they could go. Hmm? Hmm. And we would miss God's purpose in our life. They tore their clothes off, commanded them to be beaten with rods. So one of those three times that he was beaten with a rod is right now. When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, this is the jailer, put them in the inner prison, fastening their feet to the stalks. Don't want to lose these guys. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Huh? Life is terrible. They don't know if they're going to live past the night, and what are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening. Woo, come on now. You see, when the world is all turned upside down in your life, the whole world is listening, and the whole world is watching. You know what? They're not the only ones that were listening. You're going to see what happens. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking and seeing that the prison doors were open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Paul called out with a loud voice, Do yourself no harm. We are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Come on, right? Right? I mean, this is a point where Paul and Silas could have been writing out their little victim card. They could have been filling in all the blanks. I was beaten today. The whole town rose against me. They stripped off my clothes and shamed me in front of everybody. They threw me into a prison. They shackled me in chains. And now I might die tomorrow. No, what are they doing? Praising God. If this is my last night on earth, I'm going to praise them all night. Man, if we could live life like that, how many people would be coming to us saying, Sir, ma'am, what must I do to get what you got? Man, if we would stop walking around feeling sorry for ourselves and whining and complaining about how bad life is, think about how many people might come to know Jesus because of how we dealt with pain. Whew. Sweating. Man, I, I look at this and I love this story. When life is tough, who's getting your praise? Who are you praising in your storm? Are you praising God? Or are you praising your pain? Because we would we, 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 hold on, Pastor. I'm not praising my pain. Well, are you talking about it and giving it glory and honor? Are you lifting it up? Look at this. Look at what's happened to me. Or are you saying, God, I don't care what's happening to me. I just want to praise your name. Come on. Huh? We're guilty of that, ain't we? We're guilty. So this is that turning point in our life, step one. God, I'm going to, no longer is any of this pain and turmoil, it's not going to get one word from my mouth. I'm going to give it zero honor. It's going to get no praise from my lips. Only the creator of the universe. So in this story, we see that perspective, a God-centered, when I'm keeping my eyes on the prize of Christ my perspective focuses on praising God, listen to me, in the face. Ooh, come on, in the face of your troubles. When troubles come, I'm going to praise God right in their face. Don't do that right in front of your spouse if your spouse is the trouble. <laughs> or maybe you should. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Come on, right? I missed an amazing moment. We were singing, the second song that we were singing was talking about dancing in the rain. I missed 
my dancing in the rain moment last night because I was being a victim. I'm telling you guys, I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh God, I missed it. I'm so sorry. I was, I'm so glad that God is merciful because I don't deserve it. <laughs> he could have just like, what are you? You're the preacher. You're not supposed to do that. I just want to be honest enough to say, I, I'm, I bleed red, guys, just like you, unless I have an infection, and then it's not good. So, but, but anyways, we need to start praising God in the face of our trouble. Giving God the praise over the trouble. Letting him know, God, I'm with you until the very end. And if the end is tonight, I'm going down praising God. I loved how God had told the, the Israelites to, to position themselves for battle. And they, they were going against an army that was larger than themselves. And then, they, then King David sent out the whole entire worship team in front of them. I thought that was pretty... Uh, listen... The army's going to be behind. We got your back. We got your back. Go worship team. We got your back. Get about 150 yards up there. We got you. You're good. You're good. It'll be okay. No, they sang songs of victory before the victory was won. That's what this is. This is putting on different. I'm, God, I'm keeping my eyes on you, and I'm going to praise you in the middle of a drought. God, I'm going to praise you in the middle of a storm. God, I'm going to praise you in the middle of cancer. God, I'm going to praise you in the middle of whatever is going on in my life. I'm praising you. And the other thing that we're going to pick up is this. Perspective focuses on our witness before our troubles. God, this is a moment for me to be a witness to people around me. They were in jail, and if they could, they could have said, guys, we're in, we're in here, and we shouldn't be here. But instead, they said, okay, we're in the middle of a prison, and no matter what our situation is, no matter where God places me, I'm a witness everywhere I'm at. I'm a witness if I'm in school. I'm a witness if I'm in class. I'm a witness when I'm in the principal's office. I'm a witness when I'm in Dallas, Texas, youth. I'm a witness if I'm in the car and the, the things that I'm listening to and the things that I'm watching. I'm a witness when everybody's, I'm a witness when my, when my finances are failing. I'm a witness when I'm going through bankruptcy. I'm a witness when my job's lost. Guys, you're a witness everywhere you are. You never stop being a witness. And a godly perspective keeps the focus on your witness before your trouble. All right. So how do I stop? <laughs> Makes me think. I, my favorite counseling um, comes from Saturday Night Live, and this is why I this is, this is why I don't get to be a counselor, but there was a counselor, and he says, I, you know, five minutes in here. Uh, you get five minutes, I, $5, a dollar a minute. It's all it's going to take, and the lady sits down, and she says, well, I have this great fear of being buried alive in a box, and he says, well, okay, I, I, I got counsel for you. Has anybody ever, you know, buried you alive in a box? No? Okay. It's easy. Two words. Stop it. Just stop it. She's like, what? I'm like, well, just stop thinking about it. Stop letting that control you. Just stop it. And he goes, okay, so that was uh, two minutes, two dollars. And she goes, well, I got something else. And he goes, okay, well, I have problems with relationships. And he goes, do you like dating people that aren't very good to you? Well, no. Stop it. She goes, well, I don't like this kind of counseling. You stop it. He goes, well, no, you don't get to counsel me. I'm counseling you. I'm just telling you to stop it. You don't like it? Then stop it. And then she gets really irate. And he goes, you know what? I got nine words for you. You might want to write these down. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing is, if you want to stop being a victim, stop being a victim, right? Or I'll bury you alive in a box. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, like, like, where are they? They're in a box in the ground. So here's the deal. I want you to understand something about victimhood. Victimhood, victim mentality is a learned behavior. You were not born a victim. It is a learned behavior that you learned. You were not born with it. You developed it. You cultivated it. It's the mindset that you accepted. It's your perspective. It's your choice. No one, everybody say no one. No one can make you a victim. Only you can do that. No one can control you. 
They can't make you be a victim. So how do I stop? I'm going to give you just three simple things. I'm, it, to me, I like to keep things, when we get to this point, I like to keep them as easy as ABC. First, accept that Jesus' death on the cross has already provided the victory you need. He's already done the work. It's already paid for. These struggles and pain in your life are temporary. He's already paid for eternal life. That's what we're fighting for. That's the end that we desire. Am I right? I just got to make it a couple more days. I just need a couple more years and get through this. And I have an eternity with no pain, no suffering, no struggle, no sin, no division. And secondly, believe that Jesus has the power to transform you. You see, a lot of times we say, oh, I know that you did it, but I don't know that you'll do it for me. That's pity, city. Stop it. All right? Come on. How many times have you like, I know that God does it for others, but he doesn't do it for me. Put the card away. Come on. Don't we do that? Don't we do that? Oh, I know that God can, but I don't know if he will for me. That's not belief, folks. That's not belief. I'm telling you, you want to go. One, I accept that Jesus, what he did on the cross is already dealt with it, already paid for it. Secondly, I'm going to believe that he has the power to change this mess. Come on. None of you are a big enough problem that he can't fix. (laughs) Praise the Lord, right? I mean, I'm serious. Sometimes we're like, man, here's the deal. This is a church full of misfits. Come on, right? We're a bunch of misfits. There's not one of us that God can't transform. That's why we keep showing up. God, fix something. Today, let's fix this one thing. Let's stop being a victim. Let's stop being a victim today. Next week, I got something else for you. I'm not going to tell you because I want you to show back up. (laughs) Last, confess your victim mentality. Why why, why, why Why would the preacher say... Because it's a sin. It's a sin. Well, hold on. The Bible says, do all things without complaining and arguing. The moment I complain, I'm sinning because I'm missing the mark of God's law. He says, don't, and I did. Sin. You see, quit watering it down. Quit watering down your responsibility. Take responsibility. God, I've been playing this stupid card for 20 years, and I'm done. Praise God. And ask him to change you. God, change my perspective Change the way that I see things. God, I want to see like you see. God, I want to see your purpose in front of me. I want to chase after the purpose that you've placed in my life. I'm done feeling sorry for myself. As the worship team's going to come on up or whoever's coming. Or maybe nobody. We don't even have to have anybody. <laughs> like, If we need to be here, this is the most important part. Guys, this is my favorite part of a service. Not because it's any reflection on me at all. It has everything to do with what we're willing to let God do. My favorite thing is that, you know what? Throughout the whole entire Bible, we're constantly laying. The whole like Old Testament was about a sacrifice covering our sins. Well, Jesus was that lamb. Behold the lamb of God. But now he says, I want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Now I'm able to say, God, I'm done being a victim. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to think about this. I bet there's some of us today that after listening to God's holy word, because the Bible says that his word will not return void, some of you sitting in this room say, oh, I'm done. How many of you today... Just that's that's like like I'm done with this victim stuff. I'm done. A couple of you. I'll preach on lying next week. Man, how quick, how quick we can lose sight of God and what He's doing, and how often we can stop praising Him because we're in pain. No, we praise Him through the pain and in the face of pain.
this altar is open right now. Maybe some of us need to confess and ask God to forgive us for playing a victim card, for allowing a victim mentality to take over our perspective. Maybe today you need to just come forward and praise God that you're done. Maybe you already know. I've already confessed it in the middle of the sermon. I already repented in my heart. And I just need to praise God in this moment saying, Thank you, God, for removing this. Maybe there's something completely that doesn't have anything to do with anything we're talking about. And maybe there's some things that you're like, God, I just need to go. I need to go pray right now. I need somebody to pray with me. I need to lay something down. Guys, that's what this is for. To lay it down. To put ourselves here and say, God, I want you to change me. I want you to transform me. I don't want to leave here the same like, uh, like last week or the week before or the week before that. God, I want to leave changed. And I believe that you have the power to do it. Change my heart. Change my eyes. Change the way that I look at my spouse. Change the way how I view people. God, change me. And I'll be standing over to the side. And if there's anybody here today that says, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And today you really want to give your life to Jesus. And you don't know how. I'd love to help you.